Luke, mm. did you know that the incest legends of the South mainly happened due to rural mountain communities being very isolated? So after the initial immigration occurred, you had a small number of families intermarrying? This is a harder question to answer than I expected when it started. Because um, I, I do feel like I kind of knew that. That I guess your point is basically that incest is a thing in southern the southern parts of the United States of America because of the small population groups that by necessity had to interbreed within the, the, fam- the core family group. And, and I continue to quote, it wasn't so much intention as after three or four generations of a handful of families intermarrying, someone in the community who wasn't a third or fourth cousin, basically an impossibility. So this article is essentially saying it wasn't intentional. Like, Southerners... Nobody, nobody wanted <laughs> this. That's what I'm getting at, is essentially this article is saying, look, it's not in- inherent in anyone who moves south to want incest. Okay? Okay? <laughs> Just because you move south doesn't mean you want incest. Oh, that's essentially... Am I missing... I regret this intro. <laughs> this is an article that's basically saying, hey, look, just because they, <laughs> they moved south and they didn't have a lot of choices. Okay, listen, listen. I, I, I googled American South incest and I came across, you know, Quora? Yeah. So listen, are you questioning the, um, the expert or rather the authority of John Smith, who is a Verizon subcontractor. <laughs> Everyone on Quora is a Verizon subcontractor. Everyone. The, the unbelievable thing, this is, in fact, the, the, uh, the ultimate Quora answer, or uh, the typical Quora answer, which is the most obvious thing possible. Like, somebody asked, hey, why is it there's so much, like, incest in the South historically? Well, because families had to interbreed amongst themselves, not because they wanted to. It's like, I <laughs> know, I didn't think that was, that wasn't my thought. That they did it because they just loved incest. Like, it, like, like there was a big, like the gold rush to California, there was the incest. Hey, in the South, they have lax incest laws. We gotta go. <laughs> if we say this one more time, I'm going to have to tag our SoundCloud file. If we say that word, the I word... Yes. Okay, you know what? Let's try it right now. I'm sorry. By the way, listeners, especially new listeners, I'm sorry, but we're not going to say that word again for the rest of an episode that does beg saying that word. We are also the Scooby Dudes. We're the Scooby Dudes. We're two best friends. We're not here to talk about our favorite incest, our favorite meddling we families. We said we're not going to say it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> no, wait, hang on. Our favorite meddling insects. Uh, we're here, like that praying mantis we'll see later on in this episode. Ooh, yes. It does. Thank God there was an insect in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're here to talk about our favorite meddling kids. And of course, their dumb dog, too, named Scooby Dumb. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> you're Luke. I'm Luke. You're Evan. Today, we are going to be covering uh, an episode from the Scooby Doo show called The Chiller Diller Movie Thriller. I forgot that title as soon as I started the episode. I want to say this is, I think, the most impenetrable title we've had yet of an episode of Scooby-Doo. The Chiller Diller Movie Thriller. Do you have a synopsis for us? I um, will pull one up right now. Yeah, I do have one. 
Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Dum, and the gang set out to protect... Do... <laughs> Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Dum, and the gang set out to protect Doo and Dumb's cousin, Scooby-D, from the Phantom of Milo Booth, a long-dead silent film actor determined to keep D from remaking one of his greatest films. Essentially, Scooby and his cousin Scooby-Dum are meeting up with their other cousin D. They're going to be on the set of a Hollywood film. They're going to be on a train. They're going to be in a graveyard. They're all going to be running away from the Phantom of Dixie. Uh, that's essentially it. We're going to see more of Scooby's family members this episode than I think we've seen up to this point. This is, oh, I want to say, this is the uh, fourth episode of the second season of the Scooby-Doo show. Um, I'll make a note on the theme songs to jog your memories. This is the one that opens up with Scooby wakeboarding in, in front of a shark. So it's a little bit more of a high-flying series in my mind. Um, this is also in the intro. The one where Scooby, uh, where Shaggy speak sings. Are we are we uh, in the episode yet? Uh, no, let's do the theme song and then do the episode. Two dudes, just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby dudes. Theme song episode. So this is also the one where Scooby, where Shaggy Speak sings in the theme song. This is why this is one of my favorite series, because I love, love, love hearing Casey Kasem hang around for, for Scooby-Doo. That, I think, is the most memorable phrase of the theme song, is hang around for Scooby-Doo. It's kind of an odd theme song. There's a lot of... That's my pal. I love that. That's my other note, is I love that it ends. And You know, I think we said before that... They could have easily written this show to be like, good boy, Scooby, but instead it's, that's my pal. And that's a huge difference. Um, I also want to say, this is the uh, theme song where Shaggy at one point very clearly does not have an arm. Um, so in my headcanon, Harrison Ford is chasing Shaggy and Tommy Lee Jones is chasing Harrison Ford in this series. That's something that's also going on. Fugitive. Was that, was the fugitive... The American version of Les Mis? No. No, not even remotely. What are you talking no, about? No, no, no. <laughs> um, the fugitive Harrison Ford's wife is killed by a one-armed man. What? For <laughs> It's it's amazing to me looking back at the fugitive like the slow mo dropping of a donut or whatever scene like that this movie is taken seriously in retrospect. What does he say? He says something about like killed my wife. He killed him. Harrison Ford is running away from Tommy Lee Jones. They're both good guys, but Harrison Ford's on the run trying to find the man who killed his wife. But he's... Yeah. John Valjean was a good guy, and Javert was also a good it's, guy. It's the difference between... The only difference, now that I think about it, is wife versus silverware. That's the only <laughs> the only thing. He stole a loaf of bread. He nope. needed to feed his That's family. That's right. He was given the silverware later on. Um, this all ties in incredibly neatly with this episode. It's unbelievable. Many, there are many layers. There are so many layers to it. In the intro, Shaggy has no arms. That's all I had to say about that. There are also a few layers to the opening of this episode because Ooh, yeah. it's, it's a little bit meta, it right? It is. It's meta. It feels like a 13 Ghosts episode. Anytime we zoom back and we see a film crew and like all the cameras and stuff, it makes me think 13 Ghosts. Okay, don't tell me what that is. I want to guess. 
sounds like a single piano chord. Is that what that is? It's not. It. I believe it's the fire hall. And at first, I thought it was them ringing in the hour. It sounds like a bell, but it sounds too quick, and it's obviously gone on too long. But at this point, it's like, oh, right, it's 42 o'clock. <laughs> uh, but also, I thought it might be a train or something like that, but it sounded too musical, at least through the audio. Guy, it sounded like... And I want to apologize to our listeners. This guy is still cleaning his car. Not only is he still cleaning it, that guy is still just standing there talking to him. <laughs> That's, that's the more unbelievable part. Before we started recording, I was telling you this guy's cleaning a car right outside your window, uh, and he has been for over an hour, and it's he's still well, going. He's well into his second hour. This is going to be the through line for the episode. Let's check in periodically and see if that's still going on. Um, that's meta even beyond the episode, a little bit of what's going on through our windows. Uh, so, But the episode starts out in earnest. In a conversation between a very soft-voiced white dog in Goldilocks, Goldilocks, and a phantom. Can can you, can you, so the, the white dog is Scooby-Dee, who is introduced as Scooby-Doo's cousin. Can you do her voice? I cannot do Scooby-Dee. Oh, okay, here's what I love about Scooby-Dee. Mm-hmm. And hold on, just one sec. I wonder if it's the same thing that Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Dum loved about Scooby-Dee. I guess we'll see. So her voice actor, Janet Waldo, does this, yeah, like the Southern Belle kind of, you know, very feminine. But ultra breathy. At the end of her, um, of some of her lines, she kind of turns it into like a dog sound. (laughs) Does she really? And it's really good. Like, I think she... Like, she sounds like a human... But she puts a little bit of, like, dog on that line delivery. Okay, now... Whereas Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. all of Scooby-Doo's lines are, like, dog-like. That, that's right, like, very notable, is that she clearly is destined for a career in film because of her elocution. She does not sound doggish. I was going to say she doesn't sound doggish at all. She just sounds kind of like this. Oh, like a dainty southern belle with very breathy words. But how does she end those sentences? Can you give us an example of that? I, I found that she, she puts sort of, like, a dog-like whimper at the end. Oh, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> sort of. I mean, that's not it, but it's similar. Anyway, my point is, this is Scooby-Doo, and I like that about her. I like that about her. I'm not crazy about the way she's introduced, which is she's in, like, this very, uh, like, a red hot room with a fireplace, and a, it's, like, all the tones are very warm, and she's being approached by this phantom in all dressed in blue, and she's like, protesting, no, get away from me, no, let me go. And he doesn't, and he's just putting hands on her when we get, we zoom out, and we're like, cut, that's a movie, nope, that's a movie. And and the reason that they have to cut is because Scooby Dumb, who, this is also our listeners, mo- some of them, I'm sure, their first introduction to this character. It's definitely the first for some of uh, our listeners. For people watching this episode originally, they've seen him in Season 1, Episode 3. We're now a full season and one episode later, so he's familiar to original viewers. But who is Scooby-Dumb for new listeners? If you took Scooby-Doo, and you gave him buck teeth, and you made him mm-hmm. gray, and you changed out his name tag, and you gave him a red hat? Like a red fishing hat? And also, he was an idiot. He's so dumb. I I don't get how they saw, who saw this show and thought, we need a dumber Scooby. Like, this is, Scooby's too smart. That's the thing that's making the show not work. Yeah, equally cowardly, but much dumber. Here's my big thought. Do you think it's 
Do you think they added Scooby Dumb because Scooby Doo seemed too intelligent and they needed to, they're like, oh, Scooby was dumb early on, but now we need somebody who's dumb now. Or why, why do this? I, I, I mean, why, I mean, we know why Scrappy, Scrappy to like get kids interested in Scooby Doo again. Scooby Dumb, it really doesn't make sense. Well, actually, this is going to help us progress this episode. Hmm. I think that Scooby Dumb allows them to uh to attempt not always succeed at but to attempt gags that a character like scrappy or another member of the gang would not be able to do so in this Mm. example okay scooby dom an idiot thinks that scooby d is in trouble and goes to save her scooby doo who has a brain i'm i'm being too mean yeah, Scooby Dumb doesn't have a brain. This is—I didn't know that. I looked through all the wiki and it didn't even mention that. <laughs> okay, I'm—I want to—I this isn't a mean podcast. But no, to your point, Scooby Dumb runs in. He tries to stop the scene in the middle of the scene. Scooby tries to stop him. I take it. Yeah, and so it's like, um, Scooby Dumb's trying to save Scooby D. D. Scooby Doo trying to stop Scooby Dumb. And then I felt like rule of threes. Shaggy needed to go stop Scooby. Ah, but that didn't quite happen. And that did need to happen a little bit because it is, we do see a bit of a hierarchy. Like, Scooby Dumb is the dumbest. Scooby Doo is still pretty dumb. Shaggy's there, about there with Sco- Scooby. And then there's the rest of the gang. Um, I, although I do want to say that's almost exactly the kind of gag Scrappy could do is like run into danger headlong. But there are, are a lot of gags only Scooby Dumb could do. Like, there's no one else dumb enough to do this gag. In other places, he does just kind of share territory with Scooby. Um, but that's all to say, they join in on this. Where Hey, it's Scooby Dumb and Scooby Doo and the gang visiting D and our Hollywood, I'm going to say Doggywood, uh, set. Are you aware, and I guess this goes back to our introduction, of the phrase, kissing cousins? I'm aware of the phrase. Um, you've met my cousins. We, we spent Christmas with my cousins, both of us. And I think you'll note that that's not a phrase my family puts into practice. Okay. I'm not trying to drag your dad right now. (laughs) (laughs) But you remember his whole, like, oh, let's get... How about Evan takes a picture with all the girls? Every one of them. Mr. Doty! (laughs) That's That's exactly right. Marge Simpson was there, and she was aghast. (laughs) Your mom's name is Marge. My, My mom's name is Marge, yeah. Oh, shoot, it is. <laughs> Stevie. Oh, but... Uh, Why doesn't she do that? I don't... I do know she doesn't do... It's not really her style. Not her style of comedy, but to your point, um, Kissing Cousins... What what does Kissing Cousins mean? Okay, let me... Let's, let's check before we really drag Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Dumb. A relative known well enough to be given a kiss in greeting. And that... Is perfect because after look, Scooby Doo has not been saved. She was on a film set. She was never in any harm, never in any danger. Scooby Doo and Scooby Dum, however, she is like, oh, my heroes, and she gives them both kisses on the cheek. And I want to say they aren't like, oh, like you're our family member. We know you so well. We love you. Uh, this is a kiss of affection. It's like Scooby and Doo and Dumb are turned on. Here's what I didn't expect. Uh, the kisses, I was like, okay, that kind of, sure. You want to kiss people to express your gratitude? That's your deal. I'm not going to comment on it. Hmm. What I am going to comment on is the little red cartoon hearts that appear around Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Dum's heads. Yeah, like, it's it's such a clearly, like, they're smitten. 
by this kiss that you can't read anything else into it. And they reinforce it throughout the episode. We're going to see it a few times more that they're romantically wooed by these kisses. And they also clearly state multiple times that they are cousins. That they're all related. They're all cousins. Now, granted, this, these are... If we think of these as, like, real-life dogs, it's less bad. Because dogs are, by nature, inbred. What are you talking about? Don't make me go into detail on this, man. No, what do you mean? No, I mean, like, you can breed dogs that are cousins together fine. But why would you? If you want to, like, reach, get a breed that has those shared characteristics or qualities. And it's just, it's normal to breed dogs that are that closely related. Oh, okay, so so dogs can do it, but people can't okay, do you it? you are doing a bit, and you are taking me to task for this. Dude, that's not what I'm saying at all. I think dogs, I, I don't think that's okay with dogs, and I think interbreeding dogs that closely can create damages, but it is considered more normal. I think with humans, it should be normal, and I wish my dad had been saying those things to me. I think it's not okay he was only saying them to you. Okay? Close one. Oh, man. I was walking the tightrope there. Uh, to, to move things along a little bit, we, we meet D. Again, we get it really heavily reinforced. D, Dumb, and Do are all related. Cousins. Kissing cousins, clearly. Um, and but from there, we're quickly moving along into the mystery. So D, very weirdly, very quickly, I'm going to say, walks on her hind legs constantly. Yeah, she's, in a lot of ways, more human than the other dogs are. So she, she walks over, she ambles over to her dressing room, and inside... Uh, she finds that a mysterious figure has left her a note. And we do see that he creeps in. And, like, weirdly, I don't think this was necessary. He goes in to leave the note. She comes in behind him. And then he is behind the door. This is but one of a million things that's not necessary and doesn't complete. He, like, is putting the note on the window, on the, on the dresser. She comes in. He hides behind the door. She finds the note. That's the end of the scene. We don't... <laughs> we didn't need him to be in there when she found it. The, him being behind there... Doesn't do it does anything. nothing at all. No, it's almost like that last episode, Haunted Showboat, where the entire episode long, the villains were just around the corner, but they never actually did very much. Well, they did do a little bit more. Here, the note says, Quit this film or it will be your last. I will never allow a remake of my finest picture. Signed, The Phantom, Milo Booth. Uh, so, first picture, though it might be his finest. Was it finest? I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was a remake of my finest picture. Oh, I wrote first. It might um, have been, but he, he thought it was both, perhaps. Um, so, of course, Dee is sharing this note with everybody. She run, sounds the alarm, and the gang knows there's a mystery. Milo Booth has been dead for 20 years, which can only mean one thing. I love it when Shaggy says that, because I half expected, this note is 20 years old! <laughs> I thought it was just going to be like... Milo, dead's been de Milo Booth has been dead for 20 years. This can't be Milo Booth. <laughs> I guess it's not Milo Booth, huh? I actually, as far as, like, mysteries go, I actually think that this is really compelling. This is one of the strongest mysteries we've seen yet. It's got uh, a lot of the stuff we want. It's got uh, misdirections at a few points. It has uh, several different possible people it could be. And in the end, it's got a wrap-up that makes sense. And I would go so far as to say that this is, ironically, an episode that could be remade today. In, in like, 2018, uh, which is, you know, like, sequels, remakes, prequels. Someone being like, hey, I don't want you to do this to, you know, like, my life's work in a way. Or, like, like if Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't want them to do any, if he died, 
And then they were like, oh, we're going to redo Terminator. Him being like, no, don't do this. I'm, I'm coming was... back from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, hmm, yes, I'll be coming back. I, the famous I, I'll Terminator be coming phrase. back from the dead. Yeah. As soon as he hears that someone else is going to, somebody new wants to go impregnate his maid. He's like, oh, no, <laughs> no, not on my watch. <laughs> Yeah, you like that? You like that? I'm going hard after the governor. <laughs> also, I call him the governor, like he's oi, British. Oi, governor. <laughs> oi, governor. <laughs> we, at Harlequin, we have to edit some UK books. So uh, one of my friends was just like, oh, man, how do we do this? <laughs> just do just do like a, like a search replace, change all instances of governor to governor. <laughs> change all the bobbies to cops <laughs> um what was i gonna say oh but this is a great mystery i think it could have easily been the plot of the be cool scooby-doo episode where we meet um a dog movie star and we're on that set for a lot it's easily modernizable and and if that's a word i i think obviously a vengeful spirit that's like a big ghost thing right like ghosts don't come back for no reason and so I think it's a really plausible motivation for a ghost, you know, to come back. Now, as we've said before, we like it when these mysteries and these villains are rooted in history of some kind. And this couldn't be a more real history. This isn't like Samuel Clements, we don't know what's real and what's not. This is, this was the guy who originally starred in this role. This role is being remade now. It makes sense he wouldn't like it and he's coming back. So we've got... The Phantom of Dixie, really we've got Miles Booth who's been reincarnated or no, has, has come back as the Phantom of Dixie and is terrorizing this set, which will only be on for a little longer. So there's just one quick little gag I want to spotlight. Scooby mm. and Do and Dumb, I'm just going to use their... We got Do, Dumb, and D. Let's just do that. latter parts yeah. of their names. Yeah. Do and Dumb both try to kiss D on the side, on the cheek, and she ducks and they smooch, smooch each other right on the lips. Right on the lips. And did you catch the physics on those lips? I did. It was like they create a suction, like you could see the vacuum. So when they pulled their faces away and the suction wasn't broken, their lips stayed connected and they stretched and they snapped back. Is that not how actual kissing works? That's, Evan, you don't need to maintain that vacuum. It doesn't need to be like an airlock between the two of you. But you can, you could. Evan, you brag so much about taking women's breath away, and I think it's because they aren't trying to create the same vacuum you are, so you kind of, you suck them like a Capri Sun. Wait, are you, you saying empty them out. that my Dementor style of kissing is not common? No, the Dementor style of kissing is not, not common at all. We're introduced to two characters, Jim Moss, who's studio chief. I don't know what that means. He just works on the film. I don't know either. And, and Rod, Rod Kennedy, Kennedy, who's the dog trainer. Uh, and as such, also mm -hmm. D's dramatic coach. And when they say dramatic coach, Scooby's like, dramatic coach? Hmm. And then they never follow up on that. <laughs> so obviously Scooby D is in some trouble. She is trying to act in this film, and this apparition has appeared and is threatening her. What do we do? Let's get her to Hollywood, actually. Yeah, let's get over to Doggywood. Uh, they say we need to hop on a train to the West Coast. Um, the gang stays in the carriages towards the back. Moss Kennedy and I think the guy who's running literally the movie mogul his name is Mr. Mogul mogul um they all go to the front of the train the gang goes in the back to protect D during the ride mind you they have not finished filming this movie no they just stop in the middle of it they, there's no reason to believe that this film is done I want to say note on the train this train I think is a forerunner of the red mystery machine itself 
It is very red. Bright red, and some of the metal plating on the side, um, the corrugated metal look, looked a little bit like the red mystery machine, so I'm going to call that out. Uh, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a good observation. Thank you. Tanky. Uh, okay, so there's a coffin. They, they're like, all this stuff is being put on the train. They see one of the, one of the th- items is a coffin. Everyone's freaking out. That's the weird thing is everyone's like, oh, a coffin. They're bringing a coffin on the train. And nobody says, it's a prop. Chill. It's a prop. They're all like, that's a coffin. That looks suspicious. As they should, because the phantom was in the coffin. We find out very quickly. Well, I think Velma says, someone says it's probably just a prop. Oh, maybe you're right. That's and me. then they're like, oh, okay. But they're still spooked. But yes. Okay, so the phantom was inside. We talk all the time about the actual intent to harm that these villains have. Yeah. Are they just trying to threaten? What, what is the human within the villain costume willing to do? Because a lot of the time, they're just trying to spook some kids. And it's often very obvious that they just do, like, the menacing arms in the air, but they never do anything that would actually hurt the gang. Sometimes they do. Can we uh, describe the Phantom in, like, broad strokes? Yeah, I'd say he's wearing a blue trench coat and blue uh, trilby hat or fedora. Um, He's got spiky black hair um, that all shoots, like, straight down. And he's got a very gaunt look on his face. He's like a... like a blue blue tinge to his skin as well. Yeah, blue tint to... A lot of blue on him. Very pallid. Um, and yet very, very sulken, uh, sunken eyes and like a very pale and with drawn face, drawn features. And, and so like the coffin is placed and there's a guard weirdly sitting right next to the coffin. So when the hand comes out before it cuts away, it's actually kind of frightening. It's, I want to say there's a lot of parts of this episode that are a little bit frightening. I think a lot of it's heightened by the music, which as I've said elsewhere in this series and in this era is a cut above anything else I've ever heard. I think it really does a lot to increase the tension, and it's the reason why a lot of, like, even as an adult watching this, I'm like, this is a little scary. I want to provide an update. This man is still cleaning his car. Oh, what about the dude talking to him cleaning his car? He is still there. What the heck? Dude. And he has, I don't know if he's always had this, but he does have a, a mug in his hand. The dude talking or the dude cleaning? The dude talking. There's no way that mug can still have anything inside of it. Can you promise me this, Evan? When this episode is done, you'll take a picture of these two, and if you can't, you'll use the picture you already took and sent me, and you'll make that one of the screenshots that goes on our website. (laughs) And please block out any identifying information, but please, please, please let our listeners in on this. Yeah, you know, go to scoobydudes.com. I'm going to take out the license plate. There are no faces, but because... Yeah, no, this is good. Okay, I'll put it on the website. Okay, tight, tight, tight. Uh, we'll get another update further along in the episode. But for now, again, we're on the train. We're moving along. The Phantom was in the coffin. He's climbing out of that. We cut to the gang waiting for their dinner and Scooby, Shaggy, and uh, Dumb making their own dinner ahead of time. This is another one of those instances where I think Dumb is the perfect third man i completely agree and i think this is one of those opportunities where dumb offers us a chance to heighten what we already see scooby doing because here's the thing scrappy is is not known for his appetite scrappy's nothing scrappy is pretty much the opposite of scooby in every way dumb is a like more intense version of scooby i would say he's like bizarre like bizarro do Bizarro is probably the best example you could give because he's like a dumber but not malevolent version of Scooby. Yes, and he's also like gray. Yeah, anyway, well, it actually works really well. There's just, there's just this gag where like they're making these sandwiches, sauerkraut, whipped cream, cherries. Um, Shaggy makes it. 
Dumb takes a sandwich from Shaggy, Shaggy takes the sandwich back, and then Scoob takes it from him. In the part- and that's like a fun little... It's great, and we see Scooby and Shaggy stealing sandwiches from each other all the time. And these are, by the way, giant Dagwoods. Yum, yum, yum. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, but here, normally when Scooby steals it from Shaggy or vice versa, they'll like slam their mouth and they'll be like, Oh, I, they took the sandwich away from me. But Dumb is dumber than that. So when Shaggy takes it back from Scooby Dumb, <laughs> Scooby Dumb like savors the empty mouthful and like <laughs> t- like cleans his mouth afterwards. Can I say Scooby eats that sandwich like an absolute madman? Oh, yes. More teeth than an alligator. Like, you can see the rows of them. He eats them like Pac-Man eats ghosts, the way you see his mouth Scooby unhinged. Scooby eats the sandwich like he's holding it like an accordion, and he eats it like a corn on the cob. I just hate seeing Scooby's teeth like that. There's another gag where um, Dew and Dumb are spooked by a cat, and they do this very fun thing where they climb up each other into the air. I like that a lot, too. Um, it's one of those classic physics gags where Scooby climbs on top of Dumb and Dumb on top, and they're both climbing on air. It's also a classic Scooby is scared by an animal gag. But in this case... Which, again, he is an animal. Yeah, true. <laughs> he is an animal, and you'd think an animal to be tougher than a cat, but this cat does, like, hiss at them really angrily. I forgive it. I forgive Scooby in this case. Um, do Dumb, Shaggy, and Velma, they go to the coffin. Oh my gosh, this guy who's watching him is my neighbor. <laughs> He's your next door neighbor? <laughs> Correct. Oh, wow. Um, they're, they're going to this coffin, and a bony hand sticks out, and they're like, a bony hand! And it's the security guard, I believe. Scooby Dumb is like, howdy, Mr. Bony Hand. <laughs> I missed this. I did not catch these little bits. And he shakes it. Because, <laughs> because again, Scooby Dumb is so dumb that he just accepts some things as they are. Yeah, he's he doesn't he's too dumb to recognize scary situations. And in that sense, he's nothing like Scrappy, who is just too dumb to rec- he knows something scary. He's just too dumb to recognize that he is not up to the task. But this old man was actually physically assaulted. Yeah, I guess they don't say how he was knocked out. They really step right past that so we can hope for smelling salts or chloroform. Anyway, uh, um, I also want to say a gag that happens in the meantime is when Scooby tells everyone because I think they oh they see the Phantom outside the train like he's climbing he outside of the train. He looks confused. That was my funny the funniest part about yeah. that to me is they see his face and he's not like he's like what am I where am I what do I do what the <laughs> there are a lot of moments like that. I, I like when Scooby mimes the villain to the rest of the gang who wasn't in the car at the time. He steals some random dude's trench coat and hat who's <laughs> in the cart and uses that as part of the mime. We've never seen that before, and I really liked it, especially because he keeps that clothing for a couple more scenes. So I don't... I've only seen, like, I think three episodes of It's Always Sunny. But I love how the cold open um, is just like... I don't know, can you give me an example? Well, like they cut to the title card. It'll be like Frank says, like, well, there's no way we're going to do that. And then the title card is, uh, the gang does that. Yes. So for this, it's, I think, Fred, they're, in, they're trying to protect Scooby-Dee. The Phantom will never come in here. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and then it's like, it's always sunny, like, the Phantom goes in there. And then they literally say, oh, the Phantom. The Phantom. Uh, and here's the thing about the Phantom he and Fred start physically grappling with one another. It's one of those 
to your point many episodes ago that says Fred only runs away because the rest of the gang runs away. Fred is always down to fight the Phantom. He's, Fred really is a high school wrestler who wants to exert his prowess. Uh, but they don't manage to because he... Oh, sorry, go ahead. All right, so it's this whole... There's a lot of action. So um, the Phantom is actually knocked from behind by, um, you know, like, do and dumb, etc. And he falls into Scooby into Fred's arms. The Phantom flicks off the light. When they're flicked back on, they're grappling. And then Fred knocks the hat off. And, they, and they're all, the like, Phantom? really shocked by the Phantom's hair because it looks like Milo Booth's hair, I guess. So they're like, no. They're like, oh, it really is Milo Booth. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. What a... <laughs> like the hair. The hair. Milo Booth had a legendary widow's peak. You can't <laughs> fake that. And then when the and then the lights get switched off again, when they come back up, uh, the Scoobs apparently have Miles Booth. They really have both captured Shaggy. And then they pull at Shaggy's arms in opposite directions, which makes his legs retreat up into his body, the rest of his body accordions in. There was definitely a toy that did that, right? I couldn't think of what it was. I think it's... Okay, you know what? I had a toy that was like this that was like a monkey, but it had like... Each arm was connected to a leg that you could pull individually to right. make mm-hmm. like that. So I think this is that kind of thing, yeah. Um, it's a little uncomfortable to see it happening to Shaggy, who's not typically the subject of these physics-based changes of one's body. This kind of forced puberty, you might say. You might not say that, too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know you. Um, uh, from there, they, they have a plan that they abandon almost as quickly as they bring it up. Let's make Scooby a scooby D koi Me? A girl? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But what if the phantom grabs me? Don't worry, Scoob. You'll think of something. <laughs> Uh-oh. Genuine lines from the show. Um, and it's, uh, they, they do make Scooby look a lot like Scooby D, how Scooby D looked at the beginning when she was in makeup and all that stuff. The, the notable thing to me is that Scooby Dumb and Shaggy both tell Scooby he doesn't just look good, he looks good. And I would have been okay with that if Scooby took it as flattery. I wanted him to take that as flattery. Where but he blushes he, a little bit, right? Where he's just like, oh. Hmm. Yeah, where he's like, <laughs> but instead he's like, I don't want to look like a girl. And that is some of the stuff that has not aged as well in this show. You're right. And this never occurred to me, but they discard that, or like rather, it never really comes into play. Almost immediately they discard that. So, a quick couple bits of action. Shaggy's supposed to guard D, stand in front of D's like sleeper area, or I guess little cabin, little compartment. Um, the sleeper car of the, the sleeper train. car, yeah. But he falls asleep. Um, he the the spirit was willing, willing but the, but the flesh, flesh was weak. <laughs> a phrase we are using all too often to refer to Shaggy. Only when people fall asleep while they're it's, yeah, only it's when fine. they're falling asleep while they're guarding. I almost pulled up the Bible verse, but, but anyways. Um, so Dee doesn't want to wake Shaggy because she's so polite. So, oh, I'll just go get myself a glass of water. And so she goes to get herself a glass of water, but then she's missing. Then everyone has to go look for her, poking their heads into various people's sleeper cars. Uh, or, yeah, into their little bunks, I guess they are, yeah. Oh, sleeper compartments, boxes, yeah. Almost, yeah, almost like shelves. And Scooby loses his D outfit when he pokes, when he jumps into someone's car, and then he jumps back out, and that person's wearing the outfit. So I think it's a good gag, but that they never do anything with Scooby being a decoy 
by the way, that's a pun, people. D-E-E, koi. Scooby-D-koi. I, I don't get it. Okay, so a decoy is like, uh, you know what a decoy is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. D- decoy. <laughs> get it. Um, so what happens after that is D coming back from getting her glass of water, uh, is accosted by the phantom. He puts a muzzle on her. Not that she has given any any indication of being uh, someone who bites. No, a biter, she's way, a way too polite. Way too well-mannered and well-bred for that. And and so the Phantom has a sack with him. And I was like, okay, he's going to put D in the sack. No. What he does is he pulls another dog out of the sack, which means he was walking around this train with a dog in a sack. Just walking around. A very well-behaved dog. This dog takes to a sack like a joey to a pouch. Like it's a, uh, it's, it's, it calms immediately as soon as he's in the sack. But yeah, he swamps out... A substitute D. It's a fake D. Another decoy. Oh, I'm getting a lot of mileage out of that. And, like, literally, this dog looks exactly like D. That's not even the shocking part to me, the fact that it looks like D, because they just made Scooby up to look a lot like D. This one looks identical to D, but most shocking, talks like D. We'll see in this episode, says, Oh, hey, Scooby and Dumb. Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Dumb. Do you, do you ever watch the Mission Impossible movies? I have not seen any beyond the first. Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, I'm I've not seen a all Tom Cruise fan. I can't, uh, can't they get, get past they it. They only get... This might be the only franchise in which the movies actually improve from one installment to the next. It's... This is maybe too judgy of me, but I can't understand how these... Like, Tom Cruise keeps pulling these kind of audiences. It just doesn't make sense it's to me. It's because Tom Cruise literally jumped out of a plane multiple times. And that marketing sells itself. My distaste for the actor overcomes my interest in the movie. My interest in the movie is genuine. Especially, I've heard only amazing things about the latest, the about Fallout. The newest one was phenomenal, actually. It was really good. Anyway, the point is, in the Mission Impossible mm. movies, they do a lot of, like, fake faces, oh, I like remember masks. the fake faces in the first movie. That and was a lot. And then they'll also put this little, like, high-tech patch on the, vo- on the throat that changes the voice it's pretty cool so presumably we'll find out a mask is involved in the fake scooby d um we don't know about the voice part because <laughs> we've never seen a dog that's not related to scooby talk until this point what happened what the phantom decides to do is uncouple it's not a caboose it's just the back of the train uncouples that car but everyone is on it so the Phantom uncouples the engine car while in the engine car, then abandons that like he doesn't take the chance to get away from the gang, walks back to the gang carriage, looks through the window so they notice him, and then runs off with his sack to the graveyard. So the train is on its way through Boothville, which is mm. a town that has been named after the great... I guess he's like an Orson... Was Orson Welles an actor as well as a director? He was. He was Citizen Kane. So yeah. this is like a Wellsville. Wellsville, I don't know if... That's where places called Wellsville get their names. That's the whole point. Um, they notice that they're going through this town, and because their car has been uncoupled, it actually stops right in this town. Right in Boothsville. And uh, so they wind up chasing. They're like, oh, man, this the Phantom must be going back to his grave, I guess, because the Boothsville graveyard is right there. That's, That's where Miles Booth is buried. A little bit of Scooby-Doo logic. Where is he going? Where else? Back to his grave. <laughs> I like that. Where else? That where else just dismisses any other possibility. It just zeroes us in on that one plan of action. 
Um, but to their credit, that does seem to be where he's going. Um, and again, all the while, they're, they're, t- they're doing this with fake Scooby-Dee. So they follow, uh, they follow the Phantom to the graveyard. There is a gag, and this happens very often with Scooby-Doo, where there will be a frightening shadow. And it makes me think of in um, uh, the Vampire of the Bay. Oh, yeah. With the mouse. Mm. There's like a mouse shadow and Scooby is afraid of it. Actually, I'm pretty sure in that episode, the mouse's shadow bullies his shadow. I don't remember that. Sound- <laughs> if that didn't happen, I wish that happened because I like that a lot. I don't remember specifically, though I love that episode. The Beast from the Vampire of the Bay. I left my neck in San Francisco was a good That's one. That's what it is. The Vampire of the Bay was um, the name of the monster. Here, instead of a mouse, I believe we've got a praying mantis. And instead of Scooby, Dumb is going to take the role. So Dumb is scared of the shadow and then goes up to the top of the tombstone where there's this praying mantis. I can't... My voice that I'm doing is not exactly Scooby Dumb's voice. Look, the phantom is a bug. That's pretty good, I think. That's ridiculous, Scooby Dumb. <laughs> I think it's Velma who says that. But yes... It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Even more ridiculous in my mind is when he's looking for clues ahead of time. This might not even be the same scene, but he pulls out a magnifying glass and then sniffs through it at the ground. Like he holds it up to the ground like Sherlock Holmes, but then he's like... (laughs) That I think is very funny. Oh, you know what? He does that to get to the cat. He makes his way to the cat with that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, he thinks the bug is a phantom. I, I might be skipping around a little bit here, but... We pretty soon also have a rustling in the bushes, which Shaggy wants Scooby to investigate. Pretty typical, except this time Shaggy doesn't have a Scooby snack, so instead of offering Scooby a Scooby snack, he pimps Dee's kisses on Dee's behalf to motivate Scooby. Would you do it for a Scooby D kiss? Yeah, and uh, that's when I remembered, oh wait, no, this isn't the real Scooby D. this is the fake Scooby D. Okay, this, I believe, is my favorite scene in, in this entire episode. It's so funny. It's so good. Okay, Luke. Here's, it's funny. If, if, I, if I was expecting a kiss from you, and I was pursing my lips, and you did not want to kiss me, what would you do? Well, first, I'm going to look at my surroundings. Do I have a birdbath anywhere nearby? <laughs> Is there a... Okay, if I've got a birdbath, let's say I've got a birdbath, I'm going to reach out, pinch your lips. You won't see this. Your eyes are closed, they of are. course. That's as is polite. Here's, well, let me, let me ask you a question. Are, are the two other people I'm with, are their eyes also closed? Uh, I guess they must be. <laughs> I guess I'm not paying attention, but they must be for this to work. <laughs> were they closed? Were everyone else's no, eyes closed? No, they were watching. Because <laughs> uh, let's say I'm Scooby-D, a uh, fake Scooby-D. I find a bird bath. I pinch your lips. I drag your lips, stretch them. Well, several feet. Several feet away from your body over to the bird bath. This... <laughs> <laughs> This puts this episode in cat creature territory. Like, this is one of the best gags we've ever seen. Drags his lips over to the birdbath, dips a paw into the birdbath to get it wet, like, damps it, and then pats the lips with the wet paw (laughs) while making kissing sounds. Pat, pat, pat. (laughs) You can see the water splashing off of the lips. Then lets go of the lips so that they snap back in Scooby's face, uh, giving him, like, inward lips like he's just had a sour gummy. Puckered, yeah. And what does Scooby say, uh, if I may, you don't kiss like Scooby-Dee. <laughs> and let's note, Scooby-Dee hasn't really kissed Scooby-Doo on the lips yet. He's kissed Scooby-Dum on the lips so far this episode. He doesn't know what Scooby-Dee kisses like. Um, 
Then Dumb says, well, let me try. <laughs> and then she does the same thing with Dumb. The exact same thing. And Shaggy and Scooby are still there. And Shaggy says, watching both of these happen, like, hmm, that's not how Scooby D kisses. You are all paying too much attention to the way... You should not be able to identify your cousin by the way she kisses you on the lips. I just love, like, they do it not once, but twice. But the physics of the pat, pat, pat. And because it's a dog paw. The pat, pat, pat is what really made It's all on the wrist. <laughs> the dog paw dipping in the water and then it's all wrist on the pat. And because we don't know who this person is. This Scooby-Dee is not the, the gentle voice southern girl we saw at the beginning. This is who knows who it We'll know at the end what kind of person this is, but, like, it's... This is someone doing a character who's kind of like looking slyly, taking pleasure from. Oh my gosh! It actually killed me. That's that's <laughs> how they find do. out that it's not really like you said, Scooby D. <laughs> exactly. Like that's when they start rolling. Like that's not Scooby D. They could have done it in so many other ways, but they did it in, to be honest, the worst way in terms of, in terms of us not saying the I word again. So they all. I'm just gonna broad strokes. They found a key to the mausoleum. It was in, sorry, the key was in the mausoleum door. They go inside. They notice that the grave of um, Booth. Milo Booth. Milo Booth. Empty. So the ghost must be Milo Booth. Um, sorry, mind you, this guy is finally pulling out of his driveway. Oh, he's he's now driving out? He's now driving out. The other guy's still standing there. No, He'll no, no, be no, there no. until came, the episode he, is he over. He went into the house he, he next to me. Wow. You know what? Nope, right, uh, he's just backing up into the garage. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to get the different side of it. Now your neighbor's going to come back out. Oh, looks like he's doing more work. I was up. Oh, my come God. Come get my coffee, man. I, I actually thought he was going to pull out and, like, drive away. He's literally just, he pulled forward so he could back up. <laughs> I hope, I hope to goodness. That, in my mind, that's our timer. The episode is over when he genuinely stops watching it. So, Oh, man. Um, we, we are running a little long. So, after they find out that it's not the real Scooby D, everyone ends up getting locked inside the mausoleum by yep. the Phantom. Phantom he takes locks the key him out. in, takes the key, runs away. There's a really fun little sequence where there's a skylight up top, and they're trying to make a human pyramid uh, up to get out of the skylight. Yeah, they're stacking one on top of another, but they're like, oh, we're one person short of being able to reach this. Scooby Dumb's on the bottom, and he hears that. And he's like, oh, I can be that extra person. I'll just run up to the top, and then I'll, I'll have done it. And so he does scale everyone else, abandoning his spot at the bottom, and manages to climb up before they fall down and gets to the top. And I really actually love this because he doesn't end up climbing out through the top of the hole. He pulls down a tile, he falls down, and somehow the tile and the lid of the coffin become a catapult that shoot him into the door, thereby busting it open from the inside. So it does work not as intended. And we have our second gag that has to do with climbing on thin air, which is one of my favorite physics gags. I think this is a really successful, action-packed episode. And here's where I think the plan of villain of this episode really goes off the rails. Hmm. So at this point, and, and again, we're using some Scooby logic to meet up with the villain again because we see a, like a, a sign, a billboard for like the Milo Booth Film Museum located at the Boothsville Carnival or something like that. Yeah, so they go and they enter into like a theater where there's a film that it looks like they're supposed to watch it because there's mud around the projector. 
shoe prints and paw prints. So they're like, oh, the Phantom and Scooby-Dee were here. And then they watch this film. It's black and white because Milo Booth was a silent film actor, star. And mm-hmm. Fred's like, something's weird about this movie. I'm going to see if I can pull up the music. Look at this music. Listen. You know, there's something different about it. You're picking it up. It's good. So he didn't wear any glasses. That's um, that's how they figure out it's not really Milo Booth. Because the Milo Booth in this film they're watching has glasses, but when they pulled the hat off of the guy, he didn't have glasses? He's just never had glasses. That's But that... he never wore glasses in character. The character doesn't have glasses. He's Milo Booth as the character of the Phantom of Dixie. So that clue didn't make any sense at all. I also don't know why they're watching this movie. I When they come in and watch this movie, it feels like the biggest reveal ever. If you heard that music, that sounded so tense. It sounded like we were going to see, like deep secrets revealed uh it didn't seem like it was as big a reveal as it should have been and also velma then says oh the the villain must have been here to try and get this film to to get rid of it or something um but he didn't <laughs> he came he showed up he stomped he wiped his feet and then he left yeah I, well, was he was he just trying to like erase all evidence of the fact that the real milo booth wore glasses is he just going to, like, scour, like, the archives around the entire nation? He's like, oh, shoot, I already didn't buy glasses. Now I need to erase all evidence that this famous film star had glasses. Yeah, what does he do? He's going to Wikipedia, and he's, like, swapping out the photo? It's unbelievable. I also want to say Milo Booth's hair in this picture doesn't look terribly like the hair under the hat. It's not that similar. He doesn't... The Milo Booth in this film doesn't look anything like the phantom well, we never see the phantom original we never actually see what the original phantom looked like nor do we see what milo looked like in the role milo is a portly dude and the phantom is super skinny must have been some good corset work going on there whatever the case sorry go ahead. the episode is it's all downhill from here or like we're picking up speed we're basically going through a variety of carnival gags chasing the villain it's not that many you're right it's three it's that little rotating tube that I've never been on that, like, changes its elevation or something like that. They sprint through there. They have a carousel, and then the log flume is where the meat of the chase happens. So there's a log flume, and do Dumb and Shaggy, they're like, you know, barrel of monkeys. That might not be the best comparison. That's exactly what Are I was serious? thinking. No, that's perfect. That's I, 100%. I didn't write it down because I'm like, no, nah, that's not going to work. It's too obscure. No, they each hang <laughs> from the other... <laughs> <laughs> like they make little monkey poses and then they hook onto each other's arms and legs and scoop D out as the villain is passing underneath at, on a log flume. They then um, are able to use themselves as bait. They're being chased by the phantom and the decoy and they trap the phantom and the decoy inside one of the Ferris wheel. Oh yeah, fourth one. Uh, Ferris things. wheel booth, I there's guess. Like, or something. Weirdly, there's a padlock or not a padlock, but a, a sliding lock. You know what? I want to say that might actually make sense because you don't want people to be able to get out whenever they want, right? You want to lock people in? I think you got to lock people in. Otherwise, they're going to kill them. Somebody's going to kill themselves like every day. You think? No. That if we didn't physically lock people into Ferris wheels, they would people would die? Look, I don't know what other people are going to do. All I know is if you don't lock me into a Ferris wheel, I will climb out. Um... 
they do successfully catch them with that Ferris wheel gag. I was really disappointed at the end that when they're like, ah, oh, I've got a plan, they didn't bring back dressing somebody up as D. That seemed to me to be the most obvious route to go, especially when Shaggy runs past in a blur with all the dogs, and he's like, ah we've got D. <laughs> he almost genuinely does say that exact same he, thing. I think he says, like, nyan, nyan, nyan. He, he says, nyan, nyan, it's the nyan, nyan we got. Um, so I was a bit disappointed that didn't happen, but... I did like the unmasking, and I loved the reason the villain did this. So, it's actually really, really, really good. They find out that it was actually, um, what, what did I call him earlier? The Chief something? Um, it's Jim Moss, who is not the studio chief, but the dog trainer? Wait, no, hang on. No, Rod, Kennedy, Rod Kennedy was the dog trainer. It is Jim Moss, you're right. He was the studio chief. Jim Moss is the studio chief, but he's not the one who did it. Is he? Yes. And and here's why. Hold, hold, hang on. I, I'm really confused about this. Um, you're right, Jim Moss is... The, Rod Kennedy is the dog trainer and dramatic coach of Scooby-Dee. Jim Moss... I'm so, I was so confused about this, but Jim Moss is the studio chief. Correct. I, I, listeners, forgive me for a moment, but I'm going to explain in a sec why I'm so confused. Please go ahead, Evan. Um, from my understanding... He was, no, no, this guy pulled an SUV and backed it up into the driveway. Another car? And it looks like he's going to clean it. We're already long on this episode, but I'm sorry. We got to go until he stops cleaning his car. I want to stop, but we made a commitment. This is even bigger than the other car. As a rule, (laughs) the Scooby-Doo's record until Evan's neighbor's car is clean. This is unbelievable. It's car cleaning Sunday, Sunday car day. I guess so. My word. Okay. I I thought he so he was going to swap out the real D with a fake D, thereby undermining the dog trainer and um having because because if the movie star only follows your coaching, that puts you in a good place in Hollywood. If you're the only person who can work with Tom Hanks, a notoriously difficult uh, actor, then you, you've got it set in Hollywood. Um, so Jim Moss, already the studio chief, feels the need to reinforce his position by uh, being the only person who can work with D, who I presume isn't actually that great of an actress because you can replace her if she with... she can be subbed out by what we've turned out is a very ugly male dog. It, yeah, like a really ugly junkyard-looking male dog. Oh. It kind of looks like the dog in the fox and the hound yeah like the older dog not not copper mm-hmm. um yeah uh but yeah you know now that i think about it that dog who's credited only as jim moss's dog is the best actor in the show he does a flawless impression of scooby d he so this dog is the scooby d what jay farrow is to i guess a plethora of black actors does he <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly... But th- this dog does do an impeccable Scooby-Dee. They can't tell the difference until, tellingly, her cousins are trying to kiss her. And that's how they know. And that's how they what? know. The, 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 uh, up until getting to Booth, there are a lot of... I mean, even when they're in Boothville, a lot of um, Jim's ploys are actually quite clever, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think the the central uh, idea of let me replace this just dog with a dog that obeys only me 
then I'll have it set for like life. I think that's great. That's brilliant. I would have liked it if they put in a little bit more of the friction between him and Rod to justify why he's screwing over Rod here. But I still like that what he wants at the end is a valid thing to want, or it makes sense to and, want it. And just like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to track mud around the coffin that makes it look like I've tracked in mud from the graveyard. Mm. I'm also going to um, let the gang come across the mausoleum that has no body inside. So it looks like um, Milo Booth is actually back from the dead. That's right. He intentionally led them to the muse, the mausoleum and the, the cemetery to take them down that path. And also, uh, it's not even like he had to get rid of the body. He just switched the nameplates out on the mausoleums. That I really liked. He just put a different name on there. So we were never in... Um, Milo's Mausoleum. Milo'sleum. Mausoleum Gomez. That's all that's coming to mind. From Adam's family? Oh, no, like Selena Gomez. Mausolina Gomez. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> you, got a, you got a breath of air out of empty sand. <laughs> you yes. got a nose exhalation. All I want are breaths from your wife. <laughs> Hang on. That's not how Ipty Sam kisses. <laughs> Turns out it was a dog in an Ipty Sam outfit. I didn't know for years. So it ends weirdly with them at the Oscars? Yeah, like the movie awards after the wrap-up. By the way, in the wrap-up, Velma says, and he made a lot of mistakes, too, which we don't typically get said about the villain. <laughs> she blasts him for making some mistakes. Dude, I really want Velma to roast more of the villains on this show. <laughs> I love that. Me too. No, that's fantastic. Like, in an episode that stars Scooby Dumb, no, no less. No kidding. We really should have that. And the only other thing I'll mention before we get to the award show is that Shaggy, for reasons that are quite far beyond me, when they unmask the villain, he says, Jim Moss, the detective. Yeah. Okay. Good. What, what, what did he say? Why? It's even in the trivia for Wikia. Because I wrote this down in my notes. <laughs> It's the detective, Jim Moss. And then I was like, what? I went back straight to the moment Jim Moss is introduced to think that they, did someone under their breath right after, this is Jim Moss, the studio chief and detective. Like, is there something like that? What the, what happened there? I'm so glad you came back to that because I was going to skim past it. I was like, my notes must be wrong. No, I made sure. I made certain our notes were right on that. So yeah, but then we go to we cut from there pretty quick. We got to get Scooby-D back to Hollywood. We uh, get to the movie awards because apparently not only has this movie been finished filming, yeah, editing, wrapped, marketing, post-production, the, the Academy has also had time to go through awards. Or maybe this is a retroactive. They're like, hey, we got to convene real quick. Just get everybody back together because we need to get this movie on last year's awards. For outstanding actress in a canine role, Scooby-D. I like that. I like all of that. What I don't like is she wins the Golden Rover. Why not the Golden Retriever? Why not? Missed opportunity, in my opinion. Or the Golden Bone? I wish that it was. they were the Dogskers. Oh, nice. Nice. I do like that. And then she... Here's the thing. She calls them... They... This is the thing that can't her stop... Her hero cousins. Spotlighting their familial connections right when she kisses them. It's like... It's literally the opposite. The polar opposite of... 
you're not my real brother. <laughs> you're gonna call back. You're gonna call back someone else's joke that we discussed before we started recording, and you know it's someone you're calling back who I don't want to laugh at. I don't want to give that guy my laugh. I've been waiting this entire episode to bring no, it up. No way. No, but look, it is the opposite of that, where they're yeah, explicitly spotlighting their blood relation. Before she kisses always them. Always within the... Right, always before uh, a physical intimacy. They want the audience to know. Uh, the one last thing that I noticed in this episode that I think is worth mentioning is that everyone's at these award shows in, uh, in uh, red carpet outfits. I, I love seeing everyone all dressed up. Not Scooby and Shaggy in their, like, suits and top hats. That's fine or whatever. But, like, it's great to get to see uh, Velma get to dress up for an occasion. She's wearing her pearls in a, uh, a sleeveless dress. And it looks good. It looks good. So that is the episode. Uh, we have a new feature that we want to introduce uh, with this one. I also, uh, because we try not to neglect it, I just want to bring up the Scooby Doop. Thank you for that. Um... Let's, can we mention tropes really briefly? Because I did take a note of the tropes that we hit, and we'll cap with Scooby-Doop. We had Dagwood sandwiches, which is Scooby and everyone, Scooby loves to eat along with Shaggy. We had Scooby scared of a small animal. That happened twice. We had Scooby miming the villain to the rest of the gang. I'd even say we had a little bit of musical scene, musical corridors, or the musical doors, when everyone's checking for Scooby-D in a variety of these little compartments. Scooby-Doo hmm. and Dumb like do the side to side in the corridor checking all these things it's not quite but it's close it's the similar Sco- yeah. the scooby dupe is the ultimate trope in scooby-doo if i may describe it really quickly please do it, it is a gag in which typically scooby and shaggy try and get one up on the monster to get away or just to belittle the monster by creating a social scenario outside of the context of the chase it puts the monster on the back heel and it allows them again to belittle the monster and probably also to get away an example of the Scooby Dupe in this episode might be I don't have one off the top of my head, but I'll come up with one right now. I have one, I have one. Because Milo Booth was an actor, I think that Scooby and Shaggy are advertising executives and they're trying to get him to be the face of a product. Mmm. Ooh, I like that. They're like, oh, like, hey Milo Booth, like, you know, everyone knows your name, like Milo Booth, Milo Booth, um, we want you to be the face of... Discover Card. Oh, yeah, sure. I was going to say, like, Hellman's Mayonnaise, but... <laughs> I like that even better. <laughs> and so, all of a sudden, they're like, we got to take all these pictures of you for, like, these promos. And, you know, like, here's a mock-up of what it might look like. That's my Scooby-Doo. That's what gets... And, and um, Milo Booth is, of course, star... Not starstruck, because he's the star. But he's all, like... Ooh, like this is so lucrative. So, like, how much is my cut? That's my that's my scenario. I, I needed to hear something from you to get my creative juices flowing. My scenario would be uh, Scooby, Shaggy, and potentially Dumb pose as Milo Booth's agents and try mm. and sell him on a variety of like movies they want to get him in on. Like, oh hey, we got you in on uh, this blockbuster um, skyscraper two with Dwayne Johnson. He's coming back. Uh, I know it's not up your wheelhouse, but you know, one for you, one for them. We then we got an art house one plan for you after. Like, yeah, like just, an A twenty four film. Uh, yeah. So I think that's uh, that might be my dupe. We don't see a dupe from uh, from the episode proper here. I don't believe. We want to wrap up this episode, and and I haven't come up with a name for this feature yet, but I'm really glad you brought it up. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know what? Bef- before we even do this feature. One thing I don't want to miss on this episode is the title. The Chiller Diller Movie Thriller 
I didn't understand before I watched this episode. I thought, I'll understand this at the end. I still don't understand this. What is the Chiller Diller movie thriller? Well, they it's, yeah, because they really sort of, like, departed from the whole, like, this is a movie set. Yeah, and I guess, the, the, to spotlight my ignorance, what's Chiller Diller? I'm, I'm not, unfortunately. Uh, like, all I have here is that Chiller, to be more chill... Diller is either to season something with dill or to mi- is uh, to dill is to make something calm or to make someone calm. Oh, chiller. So chiller diller is like chiller is like someone who is m- the chiller diller is an even more chill person who makes other people chill movie thriller, obviously a thriller movie. So this is a movie which is chill compared to other movies and which makes its viewers chill. It's a chiller diller. But it's still a thriller movie? I don't... It doesn't... Listeners, please, somebody tell me what Chiller Diller means. (laughs) Or I'm going to have to bring this up in every subsequent episode. I just can't... I can't get my head around it. It's the most impenetrable title we've seen yet. I have a name for the feature. Oh, please, give us the name of the feature. And then I'll tell... (laughs) We'll go from that into what the name of the feature is on the Scooby Wikia itself. I was going to call it um, Nitpicky Wiki nitpicky wiki yes Ooh, i like that nitwiki i was gonna call it maybe <laughs> uh maybe a transformers reference sam witwikia <laughs> it's just a shaking the head i don't even get an audio refusal there <laughs> um but these are basically notes trivia cultural references animation mistakes and or technical glitches inconsistency continuity errors and or goof slash oddities are you serious it's all in okay, one it's, if we go to the on any given for listeners to to give some credit where it's due listeners evan and i do a lot of our work based on the scooby-doo wikia that's where we pull a lot of details from and there's a section at the end of every episode in the wikia that's overall titled notes slash trivia. Okay, it's not all. The, it's not all one thing. Subheading. There are three subheadings, which are cultural references, then animation mistakes and slash or technical glitches, and then inconsistency slash continuity errors and slash or goof slash oddities. And that's a place where a lot of fun, both some stuff that I sometimes miss and some observations that I don't think needed to be stated can be found. Um, And I want to do these, moving forward, I'd love to do this every episode. Evan, you're already laughing at something you found. So here's, we'll start out tame. Under, like, just general notes and trivia, this is apparently the last appearance of Scooby Dumb. Really? Oh, wow. He will appear again on Laugh Olympics, but until then, like, that's it for him. So it's interesting that... Our first uh, taste of the character is also uh, the last. Mm. Maybe he and D get married at the end of this. Okay, do you want to just, can we just skip ahead to inconsistencies slash continuity errors? I, I want to mention just one in animation mistakes. Mr. Mogul's hair is brown when Velma talks to him at the beginning. It doesn't mention it in the trivia, but his hair is gray slash white later on. So the events of the episode really took a toll on Mr. Mogul, <laughs> I take it. It really, really aged him up. I love just so much that, like, so notes and trivia, great. Cultural references, yes. Animation mistakes and or technical glitches, yes. And just the amount inconsistencies slash continuity errors and slash or goofs slash oddities the goof slash oddities is like you don't need you don't need both of those you don't need either of those and also this is such a nitpick but 
the capitalization is only on the first word, and it's a title. It's a heading, so capitalize every word. All right, let's... Um, the first on that list is the one that really catches the eye, isn't it? S- serve it to us, please. Although there might be... <laughs> Sorry. Although there might appear to be immoral implications with the Scoobies being attracted to and wanting a kiss on the cheek from their cousin D, it's only supposed to be taken innocently, and they're presumably more smitten, albeit strongly, by her beauty more than anything else. Well, how does that make it say... better? As if to say, look, I think my cousin's crazy hot and I want to make out with her, but it's not because she's my cousin. <laughs> it's in spite of it. I like, my, my perspective is, it's not like I like her personality or anything. <laughs> it's only, we're only attracted to her, her body. It's her rockin' body. This actually brings it around. It's like the southern thing, like, people who move south didn't want to. <laughs> okay, can I hit uh, one of the other ones? Because this is incredible to me. Please, please. And, like, again... We really roast this dude a lot, but props to the Scooby-Doo Wikia moderator for putting this all together to begin with. Honestly, this person has put in at least as much work as we've put in on our podcast. At least. At least, and the work (laughs) makes our work easier on our podcast. So, Wikia editor, if you're listening, thank you for your work. We really do appreciate you. And we're roasting you the same way we roast each other, because we love you. How was the fake Scooby-Doo able to speak or act like a human the way Scooby-Doo acts, if she was really another dog that was not a Scooby. And as with all of my favorite notes and trivia, there's a sub-bullet point on this one. Given that Mumsy-Doo, who married into the Doo family, could also talk, it's possible that talking dogs are simply a normal, if slightly uncommon, phenomenon in the Scooby-Doo universe counterpoint, or rather, an alternative. Mumsy-Doo... Mar- did not marry into the family. Yeah, how do we know that? My like my my head canon, If we're if we're running with the idea that only s- do family dogs have the power of speech, is that Mumsy Do was just another cousin. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. That's honestly overlooked here is the fact that the Do's are obviously fine with kissing cousins. It's got uh, more like a traditional Japanese perspective on this, where technically that doesn't count as related, and it could be a good thing. Um, One more notes trivia I want to mention. Um, The first major tip-off that the Phantom of Milo Booth, also the Phantom of Dixie, played by the ghost of Milo Booth, isn't real, is that he wasn't wearing glasses, and the real Milo Booth did. Semicolon, logically, a ghost wouldn't need to wear glasses because they wouldn't have any physical limitations. Presumably, the gang would expect him to be identical in appearance. Uh, Beyond that, though, sub-bullets now, the Phantom of Milo Booth was in clothes of the Phantom of Dixie character, meaning he wouldn't have needed the glasses either way. Yeah, man. Uh, Sub-bullet further, there is, however, one notable difference between the Phantom and the real Milo Booth. The real Milo Booth is slightly overweight while the Phantom is slender, though it's never commented upon. We did comment about this. We did comment upon it. It's like half of these trivia notes are things that like we notice too and are really notable things. The other half are like this wikia person talking to (laughs) themselves and sometimes reasoning themselves out of their piece of trivia. I just love that that idea that like uh, ghosts don't need glasses. Their vision is is fixed when they die. Duh. Dude, Scooby-Doo logic might possibly be one of my favorite forms of logic. Uh, I just, I love this. I, I love this episode. I love this trivia. It's It was a lot of fun. 
Uh, Evan, what is the status of the car wash? Oh, man, he took a smoke break, but he's back at it. <laughs> back at it again. Back at it again, Daniel. With the white van. With the white van. What is that? Wow. I cannot believe that incredibly dated <laughs> meme reference worked so flawlessly. <laughs> Let's go right from there into the outro. So, so Evan, I got, I'm not sure what I want to do here. I got, I mean, you see all my, my shelves and my booths with all the, uh, all my, all my bits for starting out outros with. My, my question is, do you want me to pull something from like way up, way up top here on one of my high shelves or, or maybe way down here on my low booth? <laughs> What's your preference? <laughs> well, I see. I think it's a Milo Booth episode. Milo Booth. Oh, I'm pulling this. Up. Oh, look! It was that. It was what I just did. <laughs> Do you want me to try again? <laughs> to give a second shot at the intro, <laughs> you're hiding your face behind <laughs> your sound screen. Now you're peeking above it. <laughs> sorry uh sorry to our listeners i just really needed to continue the trend of physical comedy that only luke can appreciate <laughs> it's uh, for all the things i do to put you in an uncomfortable spot in, in our various episodes that is a perfect response that's the perfect way to retaliate <laughs> i realized as soon as i said booth i'm like oh half of this joke i'm not i'm not doing anything with it i'm just uh but here maybe i can pull something actually no before i do i'm gonna grab some of my <laughs> chocolate drink mix from this other <laughs> shelf I have <laughs> from my Milo booth. <laughs> oh man, I really thought you were gonna like do a switcheroo there and call it like your oval teen. Um, <laughs> my Nestle cabinet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I should have, you're right. Ugh. My mistake. Let's just run through um, things. We gotta go, Let's get man. through it. Where can our listeners follow up with us? We got a few places. Let me say, Facebook.com. We're the Scooby Dudes. Just find us, Scooby Dudes on Facebook. Like it. Go to Twitter.com slash The Scooby Dudes, at The Scooby Dudes. That's our Twitter. Please give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, join a select bunch. We're at like 126 followers. Tight. And we're always interacting with them. You can also interact with us via Gmail. Send us a podcast at... Uh, send us a podcast at... <laughs> Scooby Dudes Gmail at gmail.com. <laughs> Send us an email at Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting those messages. Um, and uh, for Mike, keep sending them. Uh, if you want to support our podcast with more than just your ears, like their hands, like their, their shoulders, or like if they can lend us like a shelf or a booth, we can put all of our. <laughs> please, please don't. Uh, where, where could they go to support us? I can't imagine. Go to patreon.com slash Scooby Dudes. Give us a little bit of money. I was moving, and then I was unpacking. And now that I'm done both of those things, well, done one of those things, I'm back on content. I am sorry for taking a little bit, but uh, some, some fun stuff coming up. If you donate to us, not only are you going to get the content that we're cranking out, you're also going <laughs> to... No, what are you talking about? Wait, what? What is this? What are you doing? I'm saying what they get for donating to us on Patreon. <laughs> Like, 
like like a shout out like we'll shout them out no we don't shout people out we do shout them out we've we, never we, done this we shout them out and we have some listeners one listener we have gordon who complains when we don't he gets so mad <laughs> in my mind i know anytime gordon seems to be mad or i'm like oh he's mad i'm like oh no it's a bit he's doing a bit but he genuinely seemed mad about so that upset. <laughs> um but no we do shout out our patrons we'll shout oh, you out the first man. time you donate we'll make a big deal about it and every week after that we're gonna say your name on air to say hey we're thankful to you we're thankful to these people thank you to these people lastly two lastly's actually we have our website scoobydudes.com just go there it's a portal for everything else as well as funny screenshots if you want to see what what did that car wash actually look like Visit ScoobyDudes.com to see a pic of that. Um, and again, it's a portal to everything else. And then I think the lastly, lastly, you have, sorry. I could never be a freestyle rapper. Because I'm just like, lastly. Not, and then in my head, I'm like, not leastly. Ron Weasley. <laughs> Measley? I was like, lastly, ghastly. Man, that was a good Pokemon. It was like immune to physical attacks. And it could, uh, <laughs> man, I had that for a long time. Never did evolve it, but that didn't really hurt it too much. Uh, maybe could that be good rap? Do you think people would like that? One rhyme and then an inner monologue. You mean literal <laughs> mumble rap where you just mumble to yourself? Uh, I this is a bit of a tangent, but yesterday Ifty Sam showed me a song by Twenty One Pilots, um, which has real, real white boy rap, and it's oh, oh, I know the worst I've ever heard in my life. Like I think that dude's voice is unbelievably terrible for that, and I like, like Twenty One Pilots. It's like he tries to sound whiter. I know, it's like he sounded as white as he could. And I don't want to say, like, as a white guy, I want it to be okay to be white, but that's that's too much. You've gone too far, sir. Oh, man. You're not one of the good ones. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, go to iTunes. Please give us a five-star review. And then I will read it. Evan will read it on air. I will listen to it on air. We'll only bleep it if we have to. And we'll really appreciate it. Those five-star reviews give us a lot better visibility. Aside from sharing us with your friends verbally or on social media that's probably the number one way you can support this podcast aside from giving us your money as well and that's it uh come on back come on back next week we'll have a new episode mm-hmm. we sure will but for now we're done get out of here <laughs> <laughs>